Hello and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in the series on Deuteronomy. Today we're going to be looking at this section of Deuteronomy that is chapter 27 through chapter 30. And we're going to be seeing the ratification of the covenant between the people of Israel and God. And it's going to be important for us today as we see uh, that God keeps His promises. We're going to look throughout the history of Israel and see that the ratification and the covenant that he made with them in Deuteronomy was fulfilled throughout their history and really will be fulfilled in future history as well. We're going to see the blessing and the curse of the covenant and how it all ties back to the fact that God is a promise keeper. Well, again, thanks for joining us for today's lesson, and we hope you enjoy it. All right, well, good morning. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27 in this section today, we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy 27 through 30, and we're going to see how God keeps His promises. This section is actually about the ratification of the covenant between Israel and God. And we're going to see through it all that God always keeps His promises. Uh, he kept His promises to Israel, whether that was a, a negative or a, or a promise of curse, or whether it was a promise of blessing. He keeps them every single time. That's important to remember for us. So. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 27. We're going to be uh, starting our read with verses 9 to 14 of this chapter, but we're also going to be looking a lot at chapter 28, um, briefly, you know, a little bit at 30 as well, and, um, and we'll be talking about all four chapters this morning. So Deuteronomy chapter 27, let's look at verse 9 as we start. It says, Then Moses and the Levitical priests spoke to all of Israel, saying, be silent and listen, O Israel. This day you have become a people for the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the Lord your God and do His commandments and His statutes which I commanded you today. Moses also charged the people on that day, saying, When you cross the Jordan, these shall stand on the Mount uh, Gerim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. For the curse, these shall stand on the Mount Ebal, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali. The Levites shall then answer and say to all the men of Israel with a loud voice. And then he goes on to continue the curse and then the blessing that they will get. Okay, so this morning, like I said, we're looking at the ratification. What's going on here um, in, the, in these chapters is Moses is talking to the people and he's having... A um, basically that's kind of like a signing of the covenant between God and Israel. The covenant basically and in very short is you obey me, you keep my law, you, you walk after me, you seek me, you don't turn away from me. You know, that's, that's the, um, the command or the, um, what they have to do to, to get the promise. Okay? Um, if they do these things, then they're going to have lessons. And if they don't, they're going to get curses. And <clears throat> today we see and we'll see it throughout. The people of Israel stand here before Moses, and Moses is saying, hey, this is the covenant. This is what it is. Do you agree with it? And they say, we agree with the covenant. And so that's, what we're, that's what's going on. That's like the setting. The setting is this official ratification. That's what's going on. Um, and it's a conditional covenant. Okay, so it's not a covenant between Abraham. It's not the Abrahamic covenant of land, seed, and blessing. Um, and it's not the Davidic covenant. This is the, the covenant of the law. Okay? This is the covenant between Israel and God 
and it deals with the law. Okay, we're not under the law anymore. We all know that. We understand that, especially as we've been going through Deuteronomy. Uh, but there is still a lot of application here, especially as we look at how God keeps His promises. Well, we all know, too, you know, that uh, promises sometimes aren't kept. Sometimes we don't keep a promise, or some, sometimes somebody doesn't keep a promise that they promised to us. And, you know, we don't really like that when that happens. One of the greatest examples of this uh, that we find in the Bible is Joseph. He's one of the heroes of the faith. He's a, uh, the forefather, uh, one of the forefathers of Israel. And in his account, in what, his lifetime, he had a lot of bad things happen to him, if you remember. And then they all turned for good. And it was, it was a really cool, cool account. But in, throughout that account, he had someone that lied to him big time. Actually, several. Okay, Potiphar's wife lied, right, about him and to him, you know, all that. Uh, but the one that I think of is the cupbearer, um, the cupbearer. So when Joseph gets thrown in prison because of the lies that Potiphar's wife gave, he's, he's in there for a while, and uh, these two guys had dreams, okay, and one of them's a cupbearer, and one of them I think is a baker, if I remember right. So these two guys, they have dreams, and Joseph interprets those dreams, and he basically interprets one to go to his death, the baker, and then he, he um, interprets the other one, the cupbearer, that he would be reinstated by Pharaoh as the, as the head cupbearer. And so Joseph interprets these dreams, they come true, okay? But before they come true, Joseph says to the cupbearer, hey, don't forgive me because you're going to be reinstated. And let the Pharaoh know that I'm still down here. And the cupbearer says, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, no worries. And it doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen. It's not until later on when Pharaoh needs a dream interpreted that Joseph actually gets out. Well, there's a quote by Stephen Richards that says, Promises are only as strong as the person who gives them. And that's so true. Promises are only as strong as the person who gives them. God is the strongest being ever. He's the creator of all others. He is, uh, his character is perfect, and therefore we can count on his promises. We can, and there's many promises that he gives us in Scripture. As we look at this ratification of the law and this um, covenant that is conditional, we see that God keeps his promises. Okay, we see that. Um, and when we see that, okay, we can make direct application in our life. If you, if you turn over... Just to solidify that this is a covenant here and then ratification. Turn over to chapter 30. You can see in verse 19 and 20, it says, I call on heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have said before you life and death, blessing and curse, to choose life that you may live in your descendants by loving the Lord your God and obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For this is your life in the length of your days that you may live. The Lord your God swore to your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Okay, so... Uh, the reason I turn over, that's the end of this section, and he's saying, hey, this is the ratification. This is, I call heaven and earth as a witness against you guys. These are the terms. This is what's going on. And that's important to remember the terms, because if we look out through history, okay, if we look through history, then we can see that God actually kept his promise. What are the terms? To love the Lord your God, follow after him, and your descendants to do that as well. And if you do that, hey, they're going to get blessing. We know by history, Israel doesn't do that. We're going to look at that later. But first, let's look at the positive promise that God gives. Okay, the, pro uh, the blessing, as some might call it. Um, the blessing uh, comes if these people, if the people of Israel, 
do what's right, they love the Lord their God, if they fall off him, if they don't turn against his ways. And this can be found in verse in chapter 21 through 14, uh, chapter 30, verse 1 through 10, and that one I just read in chapter 30, verse 20, um, just kind of the summary can be seen there as well. This is the positive promise. This is point number one, positive promise. Um, we're going to look at several different things that, um, blessings, if you will, that come with this promise of obedience, okay? The tribes of verse 12, okay, they represent this positive promise. So you look at verse 12, chapter 27, it says, When you cross the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount uh, Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. So these are the these are representative of the blessing that will happen if the Israelites obey God. These represent that in this ratification process. Okay, this promise includes uh, position, uh, provision, and protection, as well as other things. Those are the three things we're going to look at here today, um, and we're going to look at the fulfillment of them later on. So let's look at it, uh, look at these three things. First one is in verse one of chapter twenty-eight. It's position. It says now. It shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all of his commands, which I commanded you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations. He says, God's going to set you high above the nations. And what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, what he's saying there is he's saying that they're going to be the prominent nation. They're going to be the nation that is high above, right? And, and we see this. And we actually see a, a, um, a semi-fulfillment of this, right? Or a fulfillment of this in, in David's life. Okay, During David's reign, who did David put first? He put, he put God first, 100%, right? Uh, the man after God's own heart. Okay? He doesn't mean he wasn't without sin, we know that. But he, he uh, strove to push the people towards God and put him first. Uh, and what was the result of that um, during really the end of his reign and then Solomon's reign? It was this blessing of high position, okay, and provision and protection, all that. But um, that's actually an, an example of when God blesses them because of what they've done, and He's it's a fulfillment of this positive promise here of God. And so um, that they would be high above the other nations, they would be number one on the list, right? They're they're the nation, okay, the nation. Okay, that's not true. Um, they're still the children of God, obviously, but that's not necessarily true today as them being the prominent nation. It hasn't been for a while. Um, obviously, we're in a different dispensation now, but as we'll see, they actually get conquered uh, by some other countries, and the reason is is because that's part of the negative promise that we'll see. But the positive promise is, hey, love me, put me first, and you'll be high above other nations. Let's look at provision. That's the second thing that I see here. God promises provision for these people in verse 3 through verse 6. Look at it. He says, Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall your offspring of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the offspring of your beasts, and the increase of your herd and your young flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Provision includes a lot. Okay, this blessing of provision um, that I that I call it, you know, I call it the blessing of provision. But God says, hey, if you love me, if you follow me, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be provided for. Okay, no matter their location, whether they're in the city or whether they're in the country, it doesn't matter where they're at. It's not just going to be the fertile farmers 
Okay, who are getting blessed through this. It's not just going to be the people that live in big cities that are going to be blessed. He says your whole country is going to be blessed with provision if, if you guys follow after him. It doesn't matter where you're at. Okay, they would be provided um, with through children or they would be provided with children. Okay, this is always a huge blessing. Okay, kids are always a blessing. Um, and it was a big deal back then, just like it's a big deal now, if not even bigger, um, because their family lines are so important, right? And so their families would continue, their families would be provided for in the fact that their legacy would continue on. Okay, think about it. That's how your legacy continues. That's how um, That's how you guys, or as a people group, that's how your name continues on, right? And so he says, hey, I'm going to bless you with children. Yeah, I'm going to bless you with um, everything, provision, but part of that provision is going to be children. You guys are going to have children. You're not going to be barren. And you're going to have kids. And your lines will continue on. You'll be a great nation. That's part of being a great nation, right? Is growing, getting bigger, having more kids. It's a big part of that. So he's going to bless them with offspring. Um, he's going to uh, bless the produce of the ground. Okay, that's food. Okay, God's going to bless them with food. And that's a big deal. Food is a big part of life, right? So he's going to bless them by providing food, providing children, providing food. The fruit of the ground is food. And then also the offspring of your beasts. Okay, the produce of the ground, the fruit of the ground, and the produce of the food, uh, fruit of uh, animals or their flocks and their herds. Okay, this, this again is food, but then also goes into clothing and lots of other materials that you can get from from animals and money from selling them in market. Same thing with produce of the, uh, the produce of the ground. Okay, all these things are providing. God says, hey, if you follow me, I'm going to provide for you. In verse 5, he says, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowls. Okay, this is cool because what's the basket? That's how you carry um, That's how you carry in the fruit of the ground, right? He's saying your basket's going to be overflowing. You're going to have lots of food. You're going to be blessed in that way. And then the kneading bowl, what's a kneading bowl? Well, um, a kneading bowl is actually uh, what they would use to knead bread. Okay, you guys might not know what kneading is, but basically, uh, when you're preparing the dough, you're going to knead it, okay, in, in order to create bread. So you're going to like, um, you're going to mix it around. You're going to mix like the ingredients and stuff, and then it's going to be this lump of like dough, right? And then you're going to push it down and like stretch it out and do some things like that. But it's kneading it, okay? And you're going to they actually have these little kneading bowls. Um, and I have a picture for you guys here, but these kneading bowls back in the day, and this is what they would use to knead the dough in order before they like create or make the bread to put it in the oven to bake it. Or, um, and so that's what kneading is. It's, it's actually making bread. So he said your kneading bowl is going to be blessed. What does that mean? Well, you're going to have lots of bread. It's going to be food, right? Okay, he sums up this provision section, I think, with, dude, you're going to be blessed no matter where you are again. Look at verse 6. You shall be blessed when you come in and when you go out. Okay, whether you're in or out, whether you come into your house or whether you're going out of your house, it doesn't matter. You'll be blessed. All you got to do is follow me. All you got to do is love me. In verse chapter 30, verse 20, love the Lord your God. Put him first. Okay, that's what David did. Not very many other um, people did that throughout Israel's history. The final thing that he says in this positive protection, or positive um, blessing, positive promise, is protection. Look at verse 7. The Lord shall cause your enemies to rise up against uh, you to be defeated before you, and they will come against you one way and will flee seven. 
God's going to protect him. God's going to protect him. He says, hey, if you follow me, I'll protect you. If you follow me, I'm going to protect you. Simple. Easy. If you don't follow me, I won't. We'll see that in a little bit. But if you follow me, if you love me, I'll protect you if you put me first. It's a covenant that is conditional. Conditional covenant of God. And God is going to keep his end. Okay, God's going to keep his end. There's more positive things as you look throughout this whole section. Okay, those are the ones we're focusing on. There's more positive things. Uh, but these are three big things that, that God says, Hey, I'm going to bless you with position, provision, and protection. All you got to do is love me, put me first. Okay, there's also a negative. There's a negative promise. This can be found in uh, verse uh, 28, verse 15 through 68, 29, 16 through 19, and really even if you look um, in verse 20 or chapter 27, verse 15 through 26 there, there's some curses there as well. Um, we're going to look at the negative curses that go along with the, the positive promise that we looked at. So this is a negative promise. Um, it's represented by the tribes in verse 13 of chapter 27. So if you look at that, the tribes are Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. These are the tribes of Israel that represent the curse. So God says, if you don't follow me, here's what's going to happen. Okay, he, he starts this, the curse out the same as he started the blessing. Um, if you look at 28 and verse 16... He says, Cursed shall you be if you go in a city, and cursed you shall be in the country. So cursed be in the city, cursed be in the country. Doesn't matter where you're at, you're going to be cursed. He said, don't matter where you're at, you're going to be blessed. If you follow me, if you love me, doesn't matter where you're at, you're going to be cursed. If you follow other gods, if you don't follow me, if you're not loving me. Okay, and so let's look at it. In verse 17 through 19, we see the provision, again, is going to be um, a part of this negative promise. Look at verse 17. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. We just saw that, right? Well, he says, it starts it out. Cursed is going to be your basket and kneading bowl. Your baskets aren't going to be full when they come in. Your bread's not going to be good. Cursed shall be your offspring of your body. We just talked about provision and how important kids are and what a blessing they are. And he says, it's going to be cursed. Your wounds are going to be cursed. Your wounds are going to be cursed, right? So you're not going to have kids. You're going to be barren or your kids are going to be sick or whatever that entails, Right? It says, then the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds and your young flocks. What are you saying? Your food. You're, you're not going to have food. You're not going to have food. Okay, in verse 19, cursed you shall be when you come in and cursed when you go out. You're not going to be, I'm not going to provide for you. God, this is God talking. He says, I'm not going to provide for you. Okay, I'm not going to provide for you if you don't follow me. I'm not going to provide for you. The, the covenant is, you follow me, you put me first as a nation. As a nation, you turn away from me, you're not going to be provided for anymore. That's, that's a part of the covenant. Okay, it's a part of the covenant. Verse 20, the position is going to be taken away. The Lord will send, this is verse 20, the Lord will send um, upon you curses, confusion, rebuke, and all, undertake, and all you undertake to do until you are destroyed and you will perish quickly on account of evil deeds because you have forsaken me. Okay, again, he, he throws in because you have forsaken me there. That's part of the negative promise. They're forsaking God as a nation. What's going to happen? They're going to be confused, frustrated, rather than rising to position as a nation. As a nation, they're not going to be the number one. As a nation, they're going to be those who are frustrated, confused. Look at the language. Rebuke, 
Okay? You're going to be destroyed, perish quickly. Why? Because of the evil that you're doing, because you're not following me. This is a part of the covenant. Okay? This is a part of the covenant. Okay? Another thing we add in, this goes right along with provision, is pestilence. Okay? Again, this goes with the provision, the negative side of provision here. Uh, but this is in verse 21 through 24. It says, The Lord will make you... Uh, will make the pestilence cling to you until he has consumed you from the land where you are entering, entering to possess a pestilence. That's like plagues, right? Plagues. Um, or it could even be, as we'll ring on, it could be things like locusts and stuff eating the crops. Um, and 22, the Lord will smite you with uh, consumption and with fever and with inflammation and fiery heat and with the sword and with bright, uh, blight and the mildew and he will pursue you until you perish. Heaven, which is over your head, shall be bronze, and the earth shall be iron under you. The Lord will make rain from your land, powder and dust from heaven shall come upon you until you're destroyed. And the Lord shall curse you um, to be defeated before you. Oh, to be defeated before your enemies. That's the next one. Okay, 25 is the next one. But 24. So what's going to happen? Well, the, instead of rain, they're going to get dust. What does that mean? Their crops aren't going to do good. Their cattle... Their flocks and herds, they're not going to do good. Why? Because they don't have water. They're going to have water to live. So their, their provision is going to be taken away through pestilence, through plagues, through, um, through these sort of things. So it goes along with provision. And also, um, a little bit it goes on, uh, along with protection, which we'll see in a second. But he's actually talking about them actually getting plagued. Right? So if you look, smite you with consumption, fever. Those are sicknesses, right? Inflammation. Okay, fiery heat. These are all like sicknesses that they're going to get. He says, you're going to get sick. You're going to be dying from sicknesses, bodily ailments. Bodily ailments because of your disobedience. Because you forsook God. Okay, and so that's, that's a part of the negative promise. Hey, you, you forsake me, I'm going to forsake you. I mean, that's what it boils down to. And you're going to have these plagues and these things like this. Verse 25 is protection. He's going to take protection away from them if they don't follow him. It says, The Lord shall cause you to be defeated by your enemies, and you will go out uh, one way against them, but you will flee seven ways before them, and you will be an example of terror to all kinds of kingdoms of the earth. Okay, and so really, um, this is a lack thereof of protection, right? The curse says that they will be destroyed by their enemies. Okay, if you forsake God, you're going to be destroyed by your enemies. Curses are bad. Okay, and that's what God is, God is telling them here. Hey, you're going to be cursed, and it's a bad thing if you forsake me. Okay, and these curses, these bad things, are all promised by God if Israel disobeys, if they forsake Him. Okay, and He's talking about here a ratification, remember, of a covenant with the people group of Israel. Okay, so this isn't this isn't God saying um, to an individual person, "Hey, if you disobey me one time, this is what's going to happen to you." That's that's not what's going on here. He's talking to the nation of Israel as a whole, and he's saying, "Here's the covenant between me and you as a nation. If you if you follow me, if you don't forsake me, if you love me, then these are the blessings you're going to get as a nation. If you forsake me." Here's what's going to happen to you. These are the curses that's going to happen. If you really go on on through chapter 28, it's so cool. I encourage you to read these. Um, 
I mean, God calls it. I mean, he, he calls it, and we're going to see uh, the fulfillment in a second, but God calls it. They, he knows that they're going to uh, fall away from him. Okay, and they do. They do fall away from him, and we're going to look at that. But he's, he knows in this section, we actually understand, we see um, in chapters 27, okay, here's the ratification, here's what's going to happen, here's the curses. Uh, 28, here's some blessing and curses dependent on if you obey or not. Okay, you go on through all the way through 28, it's like basically, I mean, when you look at it and then you look at history, it's like, man, God's calling it. He's saying, hey, they're going to disobey me, and here's what's going to happen to them. And then you see um, restoration that's, that's promised, like, in the, in the end, right, in chapter 30. So in chapter 30, he says, hey, eventually, here's what's going to happen. And that can be taken um, two different ways, really, as you look at it. Because he says um, in, in here, let me just read it. Uh, Chapter 30, verse 1. So it shall be when all these things have come upon you, and the blessing and curse which is set before you, and you call them to mind, and the nations, and the Lord your God has banished you. Then you return to the Lord your God, and obey him with all your heart and soul, according to that I have commanded you today, and your sons. The Lord your God will restore you from captivity, and have compassion on you, and will gather you again from all the nations where the Lord God has scattered you. Okay, so he's saying, hey... You know, if, if you start, these curses start happening to you, call on the name of the Lord, turn back to God, and He'll restore you. He'll restore you. Okay, and we see that actually happen. Okay, the third thing we're going to look at today is the fulfillment of these promises. Okay, part of it, I think, is still to be fulfilled, um, and a lot of it has been fulfilled, and we're going to look at it. Uh, let's look at Israel's history to see if what God said actually happened, to know if God is a promise keeper if he keeps his promises, which we all know he does. Okay, first, Israel did obey for a short time. Okay, but then they strayed. One generation was good. Um, and then after that, every man did what was right in their own eyes. And this is in Judges, we see this. So as we go through Israel's history, we see they start turning away. Okay, and in Ju Judges chapter 2, verses 11 up through 15, I'm just going to read that for you. We're going to see that they turn away. It says, Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them, and bowed to them, and themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Asherah. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of the plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them. And they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them. For the evil the Lord had spoken, and the Lord had sworn to them that they uh, were severely distressed. What does that say? It says they turned away, and what happened? The Lord gave them over to their enemies, and the Lord's hand was against them, just like what? Just like the Lord promised them. When did he promise them? That was back in Deuteronomy. Right? Back in Deuteronomy, they ratified this covenant. It said, follow me or else. This is bad things are going to happen. Obey me and these good things will happen. And here in Judges it says, hey, they turned away, bad things happened. Guess what? Just like God promised, they got turned over to their enemies. And if you know anything about the books of, book of Judges, you know that they turned away. And then what happened? They got conquered by an enemy. Okay, what happened? They weren't provided for it. Okay, remember the story of Gideon? He's trying to um, get a little bit of grain threshed out 
and he's doing it in hiding because they can't they don't even have food they're not provided for their enemies are overtaking them they're the lowest among nations they, that's all what God promised would happen to them if they turned away from God and forsook God and turned to idols and they did but then what happened what happened in Judges what continually happened God raised up a deliverer when? When they called on the name of the Lord. They called on the name of the Lord and God would rescue them. Okay, that's what chapter 30 in Deuteronomy, what I just read, what we just talked about, said these blessings, these curses are going to happen, but when the cursing, uh, cursing happens, okay, when, when this is going on, uh, turn back to God. Return to the Lord your God and obey Him with all your heart and soul according to that I commanded you today and your sons. Then the Lord will restore you from captivity. Hey, that happened. That happened all throughout Judges. Judges actually fulfills Deuteronomy. Okay, but there's other places that fulfill it um, throughout Israel's history. Look at Assyria. Okay, Assyria took over um, Israel. Okay, not Judah. Okay, but because at that time the kingdom was split, but they took over Israel. Uh, look at Second Kings chapter 17 and verse 6. In the ninth year of Hosea, uh, oh, Hoshana, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. And carried away Israel into exile in Assyria, and scattered, or sorry, and settled them in Halah, in Arbor, on the river of Gozan, and in the city of the Medes. What is this saying? It's saying, hey, in the ninth year of this king, guess what? Assyria conquered Israel. Why? What was Israel doing? They weren't following God. If you know the history, you know that Jeroboam. Um, during the split of the uh, northern and southern, um, if you want to say Samaria and Judah, during that split, or Israel and Judah, however you want to say that, um, Jeroboam led the people, and he, he got them to start following two golden calves. Okay? And throughout you know, Israel's history, they went worse and worse and worse, and they went down this path of forsaking God and following idols. And eventually got to the point where God said, I'm going to take out Israel. He doesn't take out Judah as quickly. Okay, part of the reason is because Judah had some good kings who followed God. Okay, and so they did get some blessing through that. Okay, but Assyria takes them, they uh, they take them out. They take them out. Also, a king, note here in 2 Kings, actually 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 29. Okay, there is a, a, a promise in Deuteronomy 28.53. Okay, if you look at it, a very specific promise, and there's several. Like I said, we didn't go into all of these, um, all these promises. But Deuteronomy 28.53 says, Then you shall eat the offspring of your own body and the flesh of your sons and daughters. Okay, what are you saying? He's saying you're going to be so hungry that you're going to be eating your own kids. If you look at 2 Kings 6.29, that actually happens. Okay, when there's a besieged uh, city in Israel... And all of a sudden, it's really horrifying, um, but it's a fulfillment. And God said, hey, if you forsake me, this is what's going to happen to you guys. You guys are going to get down this road. So Israel gets taken out. They get captured by um, Assyria. That's a fulfillment of God's promise. God promised that that would happen if they forsook him, and they did, and it happened. God keeps his promises. Look at Babylon. Uh, Babylon. In 2 Kings chapter 24, Verse 10 through 13. This is when Judah gets taken out. It says, and if you guys know, this is in like 609 BC. Uh, Babylon takes out Judah. Um, and this is, this is what we're talking about here. Okay, So 
At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, went to Jerusalem, and the city came under siege. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to the city while the servants were besieging it. Okay? Jehoiachin, or sorry, Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, went out to king of Babylon, and he and his mother and the servants and his captains and officials. So the king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year of his reign, and he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king of the house, and cut to pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, the king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, just as the Lord had said, just as the Lord had said. God promised that if they forsook God, if they forsook him, then they would get captured, and that's what happened. Okay? God always keeps his promises. What he says always happens. Okay, eventually, by the way, both of them are allowed to, Israel and Judah, they're allowed to go back, rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the walls and things like that. So there is restoration there um, a little bit. If you look at like Ezra and Nehemiah, those kind of guys. And then ultimately, guess what? There is going to be a complete restoration of Israel. If we know end times and we look at end times, we see that the, the, um, the tribulation, <clears throat> that's for Israel, right? Seven years of judgment on Israel again, where more of these things will be taking place. Okay, more of these promises in Deuteronomy, it's going to happen again to Israel. Okay, these plagues, pestilence, all this stuff's going to happen in, in, in seven years. It's going to be horrible. And God's dealing with the people of Israel. But then what happens at the end of the tribulation? Israel calls on the name of the Lord. And what happens? Jesus comes down out of heaven. It's the second coming. Right? And, and he sets up his kingdom here on earth. And what happens? That's, that's restoration. That's restoration. Because why? As a nation, as a people, they call on the name of the Lord. Okay? And we, we actually get to take part in that lesson, which is really cool. Okay, there's several, um, also, just, these are just side notes, but um, God promised some plagues, you know, um, throughout Israel, um, if they disobeyed Him, if they, if the, part of the curse was plagues, right? So there's several famous plagues of the Bible that I think of just, you know, automatically. 1 Samuel 6, the plague of the Ark of the Covenant, when they disobeyed God in that way. 2 Samuel 24, David's census and the plague there. Um, also, drought. Okay, um, drought, it talked about drought um, in Deuteronomy chapter 28 when he was talking about curses. He says, um, instead of rain, you're going to get dust. Um, and it's actually well known that for centuries throughout Israel's history, Israel has been dependent on sporadic and inconsistent rainfall for crops. It's interesting because, you know, it's, it's a very fertile land. And yet, for you know, Centuries throughout history, the history of Israel, it's been inconsistent rainfall and things like that. And so, is that God keeping His promise? Yeah, it is. It is. So what's the impact? What's the impact? What's the whole purpose of this? What does it mean for us? We're not under the law. We didn't make this covenant with God. We weren't ratified in this covenant with God. We didn't take the place of Israel. Okay? We don't, we don't take the place of Israel. We're not Israel. I'm not an Israelite. Um, some of you might be. Um, and so it's a little different. But right now we're not even in that dispensation. We're in dispensation of grace. So what does it mean for us? Well, we've got to remember that promises are only as strong as the person who gives them. And God is the strongest of all. God gives us many promises in His Word 
and he is the promise keeper. So we need to remember that God is a promise keeper and remember that God keeps his promises. And, and we have to know his promises. What are some of his promises? Well, he promises eternal life to all those who believe, John 3, 16. He promises wisdom to those who ask for it, James 1, 5. He promises rewards to those who work for it in 1 Corinthians 3. He promises provision for those who seek him in Matthew 6, 33. He promises a thousand years, a thousand year reign with Jesus okay, for believers in Revelation 19 and 20. He, he uh, promises an eternal home without sin, without tears, without pain in Revelation 20 and 21. He promises guidance. For those who trust him, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I mean, there's so many promises for us in the Bible. Okay, that was a promise for Israel. A conditional promise at that for Israel. We have tons of promises for us. Um, and a lot of them are conditional. Wisdom to those who ask. Provision to those who seek. Rewards to those who work. Guidance to those who trust. Those are all conditional Okay? But the direct application for us right now is that we need to remember, renew our mind with, know that God is the promise keeper, that He keeps His promises. Also, we have to know His promises. Okay? If we don't know His promises, it's not doing us any good. And guess what? Both of these things require us to dig into God's Word. So the application for you and for me today, right now, is to get into God's Word. Study it. Read it. Memorize it. Know it. And when you do that, you're going to understand His promises. You're going to understand who He is and that He's a promise keeper. And when we understand that, okay, then we're like, hey, I'm going to ask God for wisdom in this trial or in this tribulation or this uh, test because guess what? He's going to give it to me. Okay? So let's do that this week. Let's remember, let's get into God's Word and remember that He's a promise keeper. Okay? And remember His promises to us. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.